Voyage. On today's episode, my friend and fellow therapist Crystal shares her experience of weight loss surgery and the aftermath, including going to the Kansas City Chiefs opener high on Oxy seven days post-op, her fear of white coats and needles, what the surgery means for the social experience of eating out, and how self-love is the key for all of us. Hi, Crystal. Hi, Joy. How are you? I'm well. It's so good to see your face and connect like this face-to-face after yes. being friends on TikTok. Yes, I know. I enjoy your content. It's it's great. Yours too. Crystal and I have the same license, the LPC, right? Yes. Yeah, yes, I'm an LPC. Professional counselors. Mm-hmm. She works with a lot of people in Kansas City, but she does specialize in religious trauma, overcoming narcissist abuse, and she's working with more bariatric patients and people with obesity. So lots of self-worth issues and other mental health challenges that she talks about in her TikToks and with her clients. Absolutely. It's the best thing I could ever do with my life. I can't imagine doing anything else. Crystal is very unique because not only is she a licensed professional counselor like me, but she also about six months ago had bariatric surgery. Yes. Yeah. So she brings a really unique perspective to this conversation. And I'm so excited to talk with you about that. Like what to expect? What was it like? What are the emotional things? And to dive in with another therapist is a great opportunity. So thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Tell me, what should I expect after surgery? My center had me do a one-week liquid diet, which was basically protein shakes and jello and broth. And that really got me ready. My mindset started to get ready of like, things are going to change here. Right. And they do that. They say to shrink your liver because it's part of the surgery. It just helps it kind of get out of the way. So that was my first, like, okay, I'm actually doing this. The surgery itself went well. I think I was only in the operating room for like 30 minutes. I spent one night in the hospital and, you know, the nurse was really great giving me pain meds and all the things that you need. A lot of people have some like trapped gas in there after, because they have to kind of blow up your stomach to get in there. I didn't really notice that myself. I had some, a little bit of pain, but the pain meds kept it under control. And for the first, I would say two or three days, it was just like real kind of tender. I had six very small incisions to do all the laparoscopic stuff. Those were fine. Those never hurt at all. I am a therapist. I work from home. I work over telehealth. And so I took about 12 days off, including weekends. One week, I had it on a Thursday and then I didn't go back to to work until two Mondays following. But I think I could have gone back a little earlier. It wasn't to where I couldn't sit and work. So that was, was really good. The first few days, the biggest problem for me was getting my water in. They want you to drink a 20 ounce bottle of water first couple of days and you can really only sip at first. So it feels like all you're doing is sipping, 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 sipping throughout the day. A 20 ounce bottle for the whole day? I think so. Yeah, I think so. But it just felt like all you can do is is kind of get your water in. After a few days, you can start adding in soft foods and, and it just gets better quickly. You feel much more like yourself after just a few days. I heard that you can only eat a cup of food at a time. Just what is that like? 
They said my normal stomach capacity before surgery was about six cups. They said that's a normal human stomach is about a six cup capacity when it's stretched out, you know, after your Thanksgiving dinner type thing. But now I'm six months out. My stomach capacity is about a cup and a half. And honestly, that's still an okay amount. I mean, I don't feel like I'm just eating like a bird all the time. It really does increase after surgery slowly, though. At first, it's kind of like a fourth of a cup, and then it's half a cup. You're full fast. Sitting here looking at your plate going, oh, I wish I could kind of eat the rest of this. And then, so I remember at the beginning, my fridge was full of little cups of like two bites of this and one bite of this and one, because it was just things I didn't have room for. So now, like I said, at six months out, I can eat a taco or I can eat a cup, a cup and a half of food at a time. So pretty normal. The thing that that makes me think of is that there is never again going to be like go to a restaurant and have a small salad and then share an appetizer with your bestie and then eat your entree, have two glasses of wine and share a dessert for the table. Like that is never going to happen again for me. One thing too about the gastric sleeve, I think the gastric bypass is the same, but you're not supposed to drink 30 minutes before or after you eat. So drinking and eating at the same time doesn't happen anymore. I don't order a drink when I go out to eat. Like they'll bring me a water or whatever, but it just kind of sits there. The other night, my husband and I went to our barbecue place and I thought to myself, I don't have much real estate. What do I really, really want? Right. So I said, I wanted some pulled pork and I wanted some mac and cheese and I wanted some sweet potato fries. So I ordered that. I probably had three bites of pulled pork, three bites of mac and cheese and two or three sweet potato fries. And I could start to feel full. Right. So I'm looking at my plate that looks like I haven't eaten anything. You just learn to take stuff home. So that meal I could have eaten on for five days. I still enjoy food. It makes me happy to go out to eat. It's not like it sucks the joy out of that experience. Because I think what what a dinner like you mentioned would, would be for me is a connection. Right. It's like a connection. Like, you know, me and my friends or me and my husband or my kids go out. But I don't have to eat as much to still enjoy the connection. So that's been something that's been a pleasant surprise. On a dinner like that, though, I joked with my husband, I kind of missed my old stomach because it's like, this is so good. I want to keep eating, you know, but I just know I'll be able to eat it for days. Yes. How much weight have you lost over how long? Like how long is it taking? Right. I am about, I'm like two or three days away from the six month mark. And I'm down 70, right at 70 pounds. When I had the surgery, I wanted to lose about 120 pounds. And so I have about 50 more to go. And the surgeon told me I had surgery on September 8th. He said, give yourself a year, give yourself a year to lose the weight you want to lose. So since I'm only halfway to that year mark, and I'm over half of the the weight I want to lose, even though it has slowed somewhat, I do have six months left to hit that year mark. So Even if I don't get it right at, I'll be close by then. Yeah. I mean, 70 pounds in six months is amazing and wonderful. And as you know, I've been on Monjaro. So very similar to your surgery date. Nice. Started my journey. My weight loss has slowed a lot and I've begun to have allergic reactions to the injections. So Mm. I'm concerned that the medication is not a great long-term solution for me. Because I have no idea. My doctor can't really explain why I'm having reactions all of a sudden, but it's a nasty, itchy rash that lasts weeks. Just with the the slowing, like now I would say I'm averaging like five pounds, six pounds a month, which is not Mm -hmm. bad. That's incredible. Um, I mean, that's like a nice 
track for weight loss, but how long is that going to be maintained and how bad are the reactions going to get? So I'm exploring surgery because I still have another hundred pounds to lose. This was a serious commitment on my part. (laughs) Absolutely. So what was the hardest part? What's the hardest part of all this? The hardest part for me, a couple of years ago, I lost 175 pounds on a diet plan, a crash diet plan that was very unhealthy. I experienced thin privilege for the first time in my adult life. I had been, I guess I went from 350, 175 and people would hold the door for me at grocery stores and people would look at me in the face and they would talk to me and they would treat me like a human. And then after I got off of that, it really wrecked my metabolism. I actually put about 125 of that back on. The hardest part was becoming invisible again. I said, okay, I hate this. I don't like this quality of life. I don't like being winded when I walk upstairs. I don't like being able to, you know, not sit in a booth at a restaurant comfortably type thing. And so that was really what the catalyst for me was in going ahead with the surgery was I just felt amazing a year ago. And now I feel bad again. And that's physically bad. My joints hurt, inflammation, high blood pressure, all that kind of stuff. So that was way harder than anything the surgery did. Nothing about the surgery or the recovery itself was harder than the emotional toll of being overweight. Now, what was the hardest part about the surgery? I would say being patient. <laughs> I wanted it to just all fall off immediately, right? And, and like you said, you know, the, the further I get away from surgery, the, the weight loss is slowing a little bit. And I know that's not everyone's journey. That's not everyone's path. Right. I had no complications, you know, to this point or anything like that. So what's the best thing about having surgery? There's so many. One of the hardest parts for me about being obese was having to be a consideration for other people. And what I mean by that is if my husband and I are going to a football game and we're walking from the parking lot and it's a really far walk and he has to stop and wait for me to take a break, or if we want to go to an amusement park and I can't ride a ride, my being overweight is impacting his life. The hardest part for me emotionally was having other people have to consider my weight in their plans. And so the best part about it is that being gone. Now we go where we want. And I know I can walk as far as he can. And I can sit in any seat, in any arena, in any concert, in any game, right? We have uh, season tickets to the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs. And so from September, I went to the home opener seven days post-op, high as a kite on oxycodone, <laughs> but I went and it was really hard to navigate. Congratulations, the by the way. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> That's right. We did. You're saying that reminded me of this summer at my highest weight of 337 pounds. I went to a friend's lake house in Wisconsin and there were a bunch of us on his boat and Bless his heart. Nice guy. Like he did not mean to hurt my feelings, but we're all on a boat. And I guess something was happening where the weight was not equally distributed on the back of the boat. And we were starting to sink. Sure. And the panic was on his face. He was like, wait, wait. And he literally screamed, joy, come up here, come up here. Like my moving was very obviously the quickest and easiest solution 
thank God for dark glasses because I spent the next 20 minutes crying under my sunglasses. And I thought, like, Absolutely. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to yeah. be like you've put it so perfectly. I don't want to be the consideration. I'm sick of being the consideration. I'm the mm-hmm. mom. I'm the hero. I am the one who does it all. What happens yes. as I get older and this obesity becomes more and more debilitating? Like right now, I'm still pretty young and healthy. The considerations aren't even that bad, as bad as they're going to be. I remember having a really obese elderly aunt and it was a constant consideration. Like Mm -hmm. which chair can we sit her in that it won't break underneath her and she can't walk that far. So she needs this seat. I mean, the amount of discussion that had to be had before she arrived someplace was intense. And I grew up Mm -hmm. hearing this, you know, and then as an adult being obese, I know the conversations that must be being had that I'm not even aware of. I'm totally aware of how my obesity affects me and other people. And it's like until very recently when I discovered self-love and getting honest with myself about how it was impacting my life, Mm. I thought that I was hiding it. It's Mm. like, obviously I'm obese. I, I have gotten up to a size 28. I mean, at 337 pounds, like that's hard to miss. You know, my obesity was sure. not something that could be hidden. It, it was like a constant management, managing mm-hmm. the consequences to, to minimize the impact to other people, to minimize my shame and embarrassment. Our culture is so fat phobic. I worked so hard to love myself as I was and mm-hmm. enjoy my curvy body. So fighting against that tide, I mean, there was so much just constant thinking of food or the managing the obesity. It, it was, yeah, I totally feel mm-hmm. that not wanting to be a consideration. I'm so sick of that. I also think, I don't know if you're like this, but one of the things that is so nice now is that before when I was obese, I would imagine that about 75% of my daily thoughts or about how to lose weight, or about wanting to lose weight, or about being unhappy, or about food, or about, I have so much more brain capacity to think about other things. I want to think about the book I want to write. I want to think about the, the magazine article I wrote. I don't want to have to think about how can I get thinner. And so now I don't have a lot of cravings. And in the part they remove in the sleeve, they remove this gland that produces a chemical called ghrelin. It's a hormone. And ghrelin is what causes you to have hunger pangs and sends a signal to your brain, oh, we need to eat. So I can go for quite a while and not even realize I need to eat. Now, after a while, I'll start to feel a little bit weak or like, oh yeah, I need some calories in me. But it is is definitely not the consideration that it was for all those years. You know, you feel a little bit of the hunger pain and then it's almost like you get anxiety about, oh, I need to eat. Now, what am I going to have and how much? And I shouldn't have eaten that much. And it, I just have so much more bandwidth to devote to other things now. Like you, I've lost a massive amount of weight. I had lost 80 pounds in 2015 by Mm -hmm. extreme dieting and counted calories. And I walked for an hour a day, but I lost 80 pounds in about nine months and gained it all back plus some and then swore off weight loss forever because that was so humiliating and I just felt so defeated. Exactly. And that was kind of the reason why I I went the surgery route. But I was really skittish about surgery for many, many years. I kind of have the white coat syndrome. I don't like doctors. I don't like needles. I don't, you know, so I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way. But like I said, after I had experienced the freedom of being in a smaller body and being able to do more things and have more stamina, once I had put a little bit of weight, that weight back on, I was like, I've got to figure out something once and for all. 
after having written off weight loss forever, but then hitting this age and starting to encounter the health issues that were arising. And I went on this self-love journey, right? That was totally Mm -hmm. independent of my weight. It wasn't a part of the thinking, but what happened is that across my life, I became Mm -hmm. more honest with myself because Mm -hmm. Loving yourself means being honest with yourself. And I realized that for my whole life, I've been fooling myself, Mm -hmm. fooling myself about what made me happy, what I wanted in relationships, what I did and didn't want. I was really living to serve other people. How could I make other people more comfortable? And when I began to be honest with myself about what I do and don't want, then all of this stuff started coming up. Like, you know, when you go to Universal Studios or Disney World, there's a whole host of rides that I couldn't get on. That mm-hmm. is not what I want in my life. Yeah. I don't like to be limited. I want a yes. limitless life or like as limitless as I can do. And the amount of limits that being in this size of body puts on me, I am not comfortable with. And I struggle. And this is a whole other topic that we could talk for hours about, but there's this whole body positivity movement, which I am a mm-hmm. member of. I felt great about my curves. I had a partner who loved my curves until recently that relationship ended also part of my self-love journey. It's like intentionally trying to lose weight feels like a betrayal of that body positivity movement my friends that are obese, that are Mm -hmm. happy in their larger bodies, it feels like almost embarrassing to want to Mm -hmm. lose weight. It does. And honestly, I would say I've gotten more negative comments, like on the content and TikTok that I make about my bariatric journey than anything else. And a lot of it is from other therapists. There is a lot of therapists who won't touch the subject of weight with a 10 foot pole. But you know what I say? I say it's a quality of life issue. And with my clients that I work with, we look at their entire life and we say, what things of your life are impacting your quality of life? Is it your marriage? Is it your job? And we, we work on that, right? And it's a little bit head in the sand, I think, to, to take weight off of that when for me, for most of my adult life, it was a massive impact on my quality of life, right? Yeah. And, you know, we have these ethics that we're beholden to as licensed professional counselors. And I really question the ethics of a therapist who would think or say that weight should not be addressed or that therapists should not address weight because we are supposed to meet our clients where they are. Yeah, I question the ethics of that. I do too. Before I went the surgery route, before I went the other diet plan route, I had visited, I think, four dietitians, three therapists who specialized in eating issues. Every single one of them had never struggled with weight. Like I asked them point blank to me, it was like, okay, I don't, I don't know how you're going to be able to meet me where I am. It's almost like we can tell people facts or tell people you need to track, you need to eat these macros, you need to this, but they can't relate to the emotional side. They don't know what it's like when they cashier at, you know, target won't look you in the eye because you are so overweight, right? Like they've never experienced that. So like you said, When the client comes to you and us meeting them where they are, when it includes body and weight, that's where they're at. And that's where we need to meet them. The issues surrounding obesity are all tied up in our emotions, which is the next part of the conversation I wanted to get to. So I don't know how they could be separated. But right now, it's very popular and trendy for nutritionists, dietitians to be very anti-intentional weight loss. They basically Mm -hmm. say like intentional weight loss doesn't work. 95% of people who lose weight, gain it all back. And that may be true, 
But there is a very big difference between dealing with somebody who thinks they need to lose 20 pounds. Oh, I can't get this last 15 pounds off. And somebody like me who needed to lose 160 pounds, like my joints really Mm -hmm. would appreciate if you would quit saying that intentional weight loss is a bad thing. My knees differ. (laughs) And I talk about this a lot with people. If someone comes to me and says, Crystal, I want to lose weight because I hate myself because I hate the way I look, because you know someone else hates the way I look. I say, that's not going to work because we'll only just white knuckle it for a little bit and then we'll revert, right? Like that's, that's how it works. We cannot sustain that. You cannot hate yourself into a version of yourself you can love, right? <laughs> Bam. Yes. I didn't make that up. I saw it on a meme. But anyway, <laughs> you have to love yourself into the version of yourself that you want to live in. When someone comes to me and says that, I'm like, okay, well, let's, we got to work on self-worth. Like we're going to take weight off the table for now. No, we'll get back to that. If someone comes to me and says, I really like who I am. I am very proud of myself. I love myself. I am just miserable in this skin right now because I can't do the things I want to do. That's where I was. I, I never got to the point where I hated myself or I didn't like who I was. I was always very confident. Looking back, I'm like, wow, girl, you were still confident, even though you were, you know, 350 pounds. That's good. I, I, I knew that I had something to bring to the world. I knew I had something to offer, but it was just impeding me. It was holding me back. So those are people like we can work with that. If you've got the self-worth and self-love, like you say, foundation, you will be able to get to where you are. I don't know if it's if it's surgery, if it's a you know a plan or getting a trainer or journaling or you know I don't know what it is for you, but there is a way. It just has to start with that positive mindset and all the self love stuff you put out is just so incredibly important for the mental health sphere right now. Thank you. And for anyone listening that wants to find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, it's at Dr. Joy Bracy where you can find all kinds of content about self-love and inner critic healing and some mm-hmm. weight loss journey as well. That um, inner critic, man. You can find Crystal on TikTok. Tell them where to find you on TikTok. Yes, my username is at Mended Living. Society teaches us not to do that. From birth, actually not to love ourselves, not to like ourselves, and not to trust ourselves. Yep. <laughs> Which yep. is why and- I feel this calling to share the self-love journey, because I feel like no one is teaching it. Or if they are, obviously we're not all being reached. So that's true. I'm trying to add my voice to the chorus of how important self-love is. And it's one of those things that people don't know that they don't have. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I didn't have it until I discovered it. It's like an unknown territory, uncharted territory. And if you- It's like the veil is lifted and you can can see and you're like, oh my gosh. I mourn all the years I spent doubting myself, not trusting myself, not being able to be still in love and be kind to myself. The main thing with my obesity, I think, was stuffing feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt mm-hmm. my feelings were not acceptable. And then I chose relationships where the person was not going to be able to meet my needs. And so I continued to be boxed in. And so food helped me through that my hope and my whole goal with doing this is that if I am vulnerable and honest about my experience, both as an obese woman and as a person exploring extreme or what people would call extreme solutions to the obesity mm-hmm. problem, that maybe more people will be able to do the same for themselves and incorporate mm-hmm. self-love and approach this with some feeling of control over their situation. Because I think for so long, yes. for me, I just felt completely hopeless and out Mm -hmm. of control. Like there was no option. 
for yes. losing weight or having a body that worked for me the way I wanted it to at all. Anyone who uses food or any unhealthy coping mechanisms will want to hear what Crystal has to say in part two of our chat slash therapy session. We dig deep into the emotional underpinnings of why I got fat, why I stayed that way, and why it's hard to change. Then Crystal gives us the answers we've been looking for. As they say, it's not what you're eating, it's what's eating you. That's next time on The Easy Way Out. The Easy Way Out is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by me, Dr. Joy Bracey, Nat Mundell, and Dan Benamore. Samantha Barofaldi is our technical producer and editor. Our theme music is by Durlis Gonzalez. You can find my self-love and weight loss content on social media at Dr. Joy Bracey at D-R-J-O-Y-B-R-A-C-E-Y. If you are enjoying this podcast, you can support it by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening, by subscribing for future episodes, and by sharing with your friends. I'm not a medical doctor, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as medical advice or as mental health counseling or advice. These are my personal experiences and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Voyage Media. Thank you for listening.